guys, and welcome to episode 323 of The Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my co-host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. And if you're new to the podcast, this is where me and Harry jump on the mics to share what it's truly like to build a small business. The business that we run has been around for just over six years now. We've done everything from bootstrapping, raise some seed funding, to raising some venture capital. And we make mistakes. We have some wins, as I've been pointed out. Everyone says, you don't make mistakes all the time. Uh, but we want to share the mistakes that we make so you don't make them too. Harry, what are we talking about on today's show? We are making it rain today. Making it rain hard with some more sales training. Yes, we are. And the reason we're doing this sales training is because something that we do in Expert Trades, which is the business that I run, is we do something called Expert Trades Live, which are one-day workshops where we help our community who happen to be trades professionals, so plumbers, electricians, decorators, those sorts of people, um, who we class as accidental business owners. So they're amazing on the being on the tools, but they they tend to be pretty terrible at business. So we have a one-day workshop, one for sales and one for marketing. And the last time we did this, Harry, was actually in the last season, uh, and it was all about identifying customer types. Yep. So I, I would advise anyone that's picking up the podcast now to go back through the feed and have a look and you'll see, I think it just says sales training dash and then the topic. Yeah, we've got, um, just looking back through the list. So we've got episode 311, identifying customer types, and then it goes back to 305, um, features, advantages and benefits. And then again, 302. So there's a bunch in the feed. Just look out for it. It says sales training at the beginning. Perfect, go check that out. And today the topic is all about um, walking your potential customer through, your prospect through the sales process, but using um, questions. So there's a specific line of questioning that we like to go down. Uh, and th the reason that we take this approach is um, when someone has a need, um, what we're trying to do is hear about that need in their own words so you can repeat it back to them. Because what that eventually does is if when a customer is hearing you talk about your product, but you talk in their language, uh, and I guess one way to explain it is back in the day when I used to sell, I used to sell building materials. Yep. I used to sell it to two different types of people. Um, and I'd sound, people in the office would just look at me as if I was mental. Because if I was talking to a builder on the phone, I'd call a builder up and I'd be trying to sell him some, uh, it wasn't bricks, but let's just say bricks. Um, the way that I spoke on the phone was his language, his tone, yep. um, his, uh, his, I'm going to say his style, uh, whereas a lot of the work that I did also was speaking to architects and it's the sales professional's role and it is mm. a profession. To, if you're good at this and you take it seriously, there is a strategy and there are techniques. Uh, but when I spoke to an architect, how I spoke was extremely different uh, compared to the builder. Uh, so. Just keeping that top of mind means that as you are speaking to different customers, you need to know your audience. So we have a four-step process that I walk through in terms of how we first build some rapport, and that's, that's step one. From the make it rain, uh, we've got the R, <laughs> which is rapport building. Harry, if I ask you what rapport building is, what do you think it is? Um, it is when you build up a relationship with someone, like you get friendly with them, buddy, you make someone feel like you've known them for a while, even though you've just met them, for example. Nailed it. And I think 
when people think about this and they go, oh, it's rapport building, it, it tends to have this like slimy connotation in terms of like, oh, it's a sales guy's going to come and ask me what my kids were doing at the weekend. They just go, fuck yourself because you don't care. You're just trying to sell me a car. <laughs> this, is where, this is where we have to be professional at what we do. This is about genuine rapport building. And the key thing is, is as you hear this four-step process, is don't move on to step two until you've established step one. And it doesn't mean that you're standing grill them. Uh, as you get better at this, you'll, you'll naturally pick up cues on, on how to do this. So are you? I'm sorry if I'm if I'm jumping in, but when when you're saying rapport building, are you just you're basically just speaking to them until you can get a vibe that they're warming up to you, yeah. Rather than think, rather than going in for the kill and making the sale now, it's like I need to warm this guy up to make him feel comfortable with me, who's about to push product on. Yes. In, in sort of black and white nature of it, that's exactly what's taking mm-hmm. place. However, the the real the real benefit to rapport building is not necessarily about just being able to say, hey, we know each other, buy off me. It's, hey, let's build a little bit of trust here. Mm. And then I want to learn about what you're looking for, but I need you to be honest with me so I can hopefully find you the right solution. Uh, and when you get someone into a tr- that state of trust, is sales becomes very easy. People can abuse it. You get some people that are very, very good at rapport building and then try and push shit onto someone, which is well, where the line is, which is the line you should never cross. Like yeah. make sure the products or service you're selling is a, is fit for them. But the whole idea of rapport building is just to take away this mentality of salesperson, potential buyer. We're going to bat, bat heads uh, and I'm going to try and get the price down and you're kind of trying to make some commission. We're mm-hmm. just trying to get rid of that rather than it being a like we're sat today opposite each other. Um, it's trying to basically reposition yourself as Imagine rather than us sat opposite each other and I'm trying to sell you the car over a desk, me and you will be walking side by side talking about the car as we walk around. Yeah. That's probably the nice way to think about it. Once you get to that state, you've got some rapport with your, with your prospect uh, and it means they're just going to be more open. Um, and when people are more open, they're easier to sell to because they tell you the truth. Um, so give you an example so um for the trade professionals that we work with it's super simple we're, we're trying to give them cues because they're really new to sales um so we're trying to give them cues in terms of actually if you're really struggling to build some rapport there's some and everyone will have them there's some easy ones you can save in the bank so a plumber tends to work in a local area they'll work five ten miles from their address so what we do is we say actually one simple way is hey we've worked in the area for over 12 years now how long have you lived here and that is a great cue question to get them talking about, oh, they've just moved here. Yeah. Oh, great. Where did you move from? Talk about that. Or, oh, I've actually lived here for 20 years. Oh, it's surprised you've never heard of the business. Like, And then you can go and carry on mm-hmm. the line of questioning. Uh, any questions on the rapport side, H, before we move on? No, I think one key thing when you said it uh, made a lot of sense was the trust element of it. Rather than just building a, a friendly relationship, you gain the trust of the person so they they warm up to you a bit better. And, and I think the key thing is, is when you start with rapport building questions, you actually get your prospect into the mindset of answering questions, which is so crucial. Mm. Um, the sales process isn't about you telling features. It's about you identifying the right benefit. Previous episode, features mm-hmm. and benefits. You can only identify the right benefit if your prospect is answering the questions. So you actually get your, your buyer, your prospect into the mindset of, answering so oh how long have you lived here oh great when did you move where did you come from the, the buyer the prospect at this point in time is going is answering all these questions so when you start to get into the oh, so why are you looking at this they're just going to start blurting it out mm. because they're into the process of just you ask i answer 
Um, so obviously you covered like the local area for like a, a plumber mm-hmm. or or trade. That that's kind of the 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 typical environment that they work in is in local areas. But for someone else that, um, for example, personal trainer works in a single place of work, yep. or or someone that's selling a product in a shop. Yep. Like, what other sort of questions can you expect to, or or what other questions could you ask someone to try and build some rapport? Rather, so, rather than the local area. Yeah, uh, good point. So I'm trying to think of an example. So if you're a shop owner, actually, here's a good example. So uh, recently I, I bought, I think it's called a Secred wallet. Do you know the wallets with the, what's it called? Card. The RFI, is it RFID? Don't know. The thing that people scan on the tube and it's the contactless payment. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have one of these things in your wallet, apparently they can beep you on the tube station and charge you 30 quid. Uh, so I bought one of these wallets. Anyway, so I walk into a shop never been to the shop before in my life and we all know that shop uh, owner or mm. sales assistant that comes up and goes hi what are you looking for how can I help I hate that Every, I hate it so much everyone hates it mate like new story these guys need to stop doing it like it's not I, I don't mind people saying hey how's it going hello welcome to the shop or whatever if you, if you need anything give me a shout yep. cool but I don't want to speak to anyone <laughs> if I wanted to speak to someone I'd get to the counter and speak to them so, is where my head's at so the guy behind the counter happened to be the owner of this shop that was in the mailbox in uh, in Birmingham mm-hmm. and I can't remember what it was something to do with my shoes was, I know the guy was like cool trainers mate where did you get those from because it's like a it's like a quirky um, designer shop uh, not like high end but it had like imagine like not on the high street stuff mm. in there and it was like they are cool where did you get those from and it was actually my Gary Vaynerchuk K-Swiss things. Um, and he was like, and I told him and he got a talk story about it. He was like, cool. And he's like, ah, like that sounds like the sort of content that I should be listening to. Like I've had this shop here for like two months now and I'm really struggling to sort of learn how to market it. So we got mm-hmm. chatting and then I realized after I came away, like what a fucking salesperson. Like he made me feel like I was recommending a podcast to him within like three minutes. Um, and now he subscribed. <laughs> now he subscribed to the Startup Diary, of course. So I plugged that because I'm a salesman as well. Um, but he got me talking. And then I walked around the shop and I was like, can you give me a hand? I'm looking for this. I had already built enough trust. I was like, he's a cool dude. Here's what I'm looking for. Can you help? Mm-hmm. That's an example of how a shop owner was an absolute master sales professional. Um, so it's all about looking, If in a, in a shop environment, it might not necessarily be about the area, it's looking for something as a jumping off point to get someone talking. And the easiest way to do that is to compliment someone. Mm. Like if someone comes in and if you're selling clothes, you should know in your head about clothes, design. So obviously he was thinking, okay, he's probably got this whole thing, which is like pick a garment that they're wearing and compliment it and get the story and then go in and then let them walk around and that increases my sales. Like he probably knows that. And he looked at the trash from head to toe and then went, okay, <laughs> trainers the trainers. Is the last must- thing I've yeah. got right now. He's worked down me and went, no, I'll have like, to go with the trainers. Next, 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 <laughs> case worse. Next is perfect, man. I went uh, next. It uh, does the job. Um, it's quality. So, so that's that. And then, so let's just say like you own a, you own a, a fitness shop and you sell protein. There's always stuff like, cool, mate, what are you working on at the moment? Like, like armpits and elbows. Um, <laughs> so that's, hopefully that helps. That's yeah, yeah, how, yeah, no. how someone can walk through it. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The key takeaway from that is it's not, again, it, it's not, it wasn't like in you, in that circumstance, wasn't, he wasn't asking a question that was related to the product that he was going to push on you. No, exactly. Which is, which is interesting. Because it's not right then. Great point. Not about the product, not mm-hmm. about the service. It's about you as a person. 
Let me get to know you as a person mm. because then as you go and browse my shop, I'm going to be able to sell to you a bit easier. Yeah. You guard are lowered. Perfect. Like it. So that's the R. Okay. Then we've got the A. So this is Aspire. Okay. So step one is rapport. Step two is Aspire. So this is what we're trying to do. Every time you're buying a new product or service, it's because you want to move from where you are today to a new place. Okay. Uh, so what that might mean is you are buying an Apple Watch. Okay. Because it's a fitness tracker for you. And the aspirational side of it is I'm going to buy the Apple Watch because I want to get healthy and this device is going to help me get healthy. So what we're trying to identify now is what are the reasons that that person right now is in your shop or in a consultation? What is their motivation to be there? And what are they aspiring to achieve by buying your product or service? Does that make sense? Yep. Any questions on that? Because I think that in terms it's of like line of questioning, it's, it's super simple. It's uh, I go over to this wallet because I'm looking for this wallet thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes over and goes, hey, uh, he didn't do this actually, but as an example, uh, let's see, you're looking at Secret. Like what's, what is it about that wallet that makes you interested in it? And then I would have gone off on a blurb. Oh, I was at a shooting event. The guy told me about it. Told me about these scams that are taking place in London on the tube. I'm occasionally on the tube. And I don't want to get some guy to walk past me and charge me 30 pounds on all my contactless payments. So for 50 quid of this wallet, it's probably going to save me a few quid in the future. I would only blurb all that out because he's built his mm. rapport. So it's just basically trying to hear your prospect talk about why they're looking to buy your products or service. But most importantly, as the sales professional, you need to listen and because you're going to repeat back the words and terminology that they use. Yeah, I went into a uh, sunglasses shop recently, needed some sunnies. And I went in, someone uh, said, hi, welcome, have a look, give us a shout if you need anything, cool. And then like 10 seconds later, because I then went over, that was when I went in the door. And then as I went over to one of the sections, I don't know if it was the same person or someone else. Hi, so they, you're looking at Ray-Ban, how can I help? Well, they start, they started saying, what sort of style are you looking for? What, what brand are you looking for? Because I was like looking around, trying to just see what there was and then was going to just browse. They started asking, what am I looking for? And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm looking for. That's why I'm just looking. And instantly just turned, out, just turned around and left because I've not even like stepped more than three feet into the shop. And you're already grilling me. Like I want to. I, I need to just look. I don't need someone breathing down my neck. So I just left. And you know what? Someone's gonna listen to this and go, "Well, what could they have done better in that situation?" And the truth of the matter is, is some people. And I know you as a personality mm. type. Um, some people just need space. Yeah. Genuinely. Um, so it's about, especially if you've got a shop or an outlet. It's about understanding the customer type. Mm. Again, previous episode is some people like to do their own research. Some people like to be handheld through a sales process. It's about trying to identify the types of customers that walk through your shop and then having a sales process for each one. Because yeah. the best salesperson in the world couldn't have come up to you and sold you a pair of sunglasses, okay? What they could have done um, is driven some value elsewhere. Uh, that might be around your heart. I'm going through this because I know what you're like. You're extremely guarded when it comes to mm just anyone external. So uh, this is an absolute aside, but when you walked in the shop, what were you actually looking for at Curiosity? So where my head was at was I need some sunglasses. I want to see what there is because I've not been able to find a style that I like. So I wanted to go into a sunglasses shop where there was just glasses wall to wall and see if something jumped out at me. 
So that's why I was like looking, like periscoping, looking all around the room. And then I would have just slowly gone round literally every brand, everything, because I wasn't, I wasn't thinking I need some Raymans, I need some Oakleys. I was just thinking I need some sunglasses that yep. look nice. So I would have gone round everywhere, but because they were like, what are you looking for? What do you want? I ain't got time for you. I don't, I don't need you behind me looking. If I'm looking at something, I might have then said, can I try these on? Because you can't take them off the thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, need, I, needed to, I needed to find what I was looking for before I could tell someone else because they, they were asking me for answers that I didn't know. So and that was the problem. This, so this is super interesting. I want to bring it up because it's actually quite hard for a salesperson to tackle this to tackle someone like you in that situation. But I think this is where, if you're a shop owner specifically, that you need to start thinking about the shop experience mm. compared to just the salesperson at the front of the shop saying, hey, what do you, I see you looking at Ray-Ban. What's, what style are you looking for? What color? What's your budget? Like that doesn't work mm. sometimes. So I, th- I think occasionally it's good to look around and see what's going on. But and this is a great example. There's, there's a, I, mean, I think it's still classed as a startup. There's a startup called Warby Parker. We did an ad for them. Correct. Yes, we did. So if you look at what they do um, online, they they understand online's even harder because you've got no person to speak to, but they understand the sales process, mm-hmm. which is someone wants to see the frame style and see, actually, let's work out the frame style you're looking for before we start working about brand. And I actually think there's a lot of glass retailer shops that should consider this. So if I own the shop that you walked into, I would make it more of an experience uh, in a non-aggressive salesy way and I'd have the booth in the corner which is hey we've got all these sunglasses but I know these are super confusing so let's not worry about these you can see they're all color coded mm-hmm. let's take you to the booth so the booth is where we've got all the different frames so jump in there and I'd have it as like a here's what I do do you know when you go to like a wedding and you've got the photo booth and you can take photos and stuff it would be one of those and you could snap photos and you could save them or whatever you wanted for future and that would be branded I'm really enjoying this idea well if you have an iPhone 10 you can actually use uh, the face camera to try on the frames this is not an ad anymore that is one of the things I do so imagine if you came out of the booth it was actually I really like this style because then you've got to go to the sales guy and go this is the style I want where do I find more that look like this mm. and then you start to engage with someone and his job is from the time he gives you you give him that frame to walking you over to here's where they all are is he should then start the rapport building process with you like Let's think about it, not just as a sales professional one-to-one. If you own a shop, you can think about the experience to help that whole sales process is what I'd be doing. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. So just, I guess for me, just to, to throw back a really simple example, if you're a heating engineer, like that does gas boilers in our community, then it would be very simple is, uh, what made you reach out? Why are you looking for a new boiler? Very, very simple. Cool, H, what, why are you getting some new sunglasses now? It's been sunny, mate, for the last four, it hasn't, but it's been sunny, mate, for the last four weeks. Why now? Have you, have you recently lost a pair? Like, Yeah, I've been wincing for a month and a half, so I need some new sunglasses. Okay. But I own sunglasses that I don't want to wear, so I'm in like turmoil of like, oh, I've got glasses, but I want some new ones, but they really need to be like, they need to have that wow factor for me to get to buy some new ones makes sense let me take over to the booth let's see what frame matches your noggin and then we'll go from there see Mm. we've done some rapport building I've understood why you need some new sunglasses and then you're going to walk away with three new pairs (laughs) so we've done the R and the A okay I impact this is what a lot of sales professionals forget and we say impact when I do this training because it sounds more professional but 
internally what I call it is expose the wound. Okay, so what we've done is we found the aspirations to why someone wants to buy your product or service. Yep. Right now, uh, we want to find that wound, okay, because there's a problem, and we want to put salt on it and expose it and make it as big as physically possible because the bigger the pain point the customer feels, the quicker and more likely they are to make a decision to buy your product or service, okay? So um, let's go with... Um, let's go with a, uh, a fitness example. So walking in and you want to buy a, I don't know, PT, do you want to go PT or gym subscription? What's your preference? Pick one. Um, let's go with gym subscription. Cool. So you've reached out to the gym. Actually, sorry, I'm thinking of the audience. Say PT. It's more of a consultative yeah, service. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like a service-led business. So we've done steps one and two. We've done the rapport building and we found the aspiration. The aspiration is that you're going on holiday in 12 weeks time mm-hmm. um, and you wanna get, actually, yeah, we can go with that example. I was gonna say there was an actual example for me, which is I actually wanted to get ready for like an event, like a Tough Mudder or something like that. Yeah, So Cool, we'll go, with the, we'll go with the Tough Mudder side of it. So I'm going to a Tough Mudder, August 17th this year, me and you are doing a Tough Mudder together. So I'm going reaching for, out for a PT. So he's found out why my aspiration of why I'm going to potentially hire him to become my personal trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because doing a Tough Mudder and really don't want to let the team down, uh, I want to be able to make sure I complete it. Yep. So as a salesperson, I'm going to hear, doesn't want to let the team down, doesn't want to be the slowest person and wants to make sure he completes it. So that's the that's the angle. This is the impact. So, all right, great you're doing a Tough Mudder. I don't want to give you the full sales process. Just do, do me a favor. Um, I'm just trying to like trying to identify like how important this is to you. How are you going to feel if you don't complete the tough mother in August? I'm going to be crushed. You're going to be cr- like just like how many people are going on that with you? Uh, eight. Ten. Eight people. Okay. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you don't complete it, how are those other people going to feel? See, I feel like this is quite aggressive though. This is trying, my because you're trying to guilt me. This is my tactic. It's an amazing point. Some salespeople... Like, I personally would probably, again, guard up, switch off. I don't like how you treat me. But, okay. But I understand... I would have known if, this if, by this point in time yeah. in the sales process. So, like, my natural... This is, like, turned up to 10. Yeah, this and is... And you can play the scale. This is turn up to 10 for, for audio, for good tape, <laughs> uh, for the listeners of this show. Yeah. Uh, but, obviously, you would, you would definitely dial it back. Yeah. And to be honest, when we do the sales training, everyone gives me that same feedback, which is, that's very aggressive. And I go, I agree, because I'm trying to make an example right now. Mm. Uh, but please find your... And everyone needs to find their own tone and style. And like you say, identify the customer types. If I know that you don't want to be sold to, I will ask very softer questions around sort of like, oh, so I curious how many people are doing the, the, the run with you? Eight. And is it, like a, is it like a team thing or is it like a, you, you're trying to do yeah, your best team, time? it's a team thing. Cool. So I, I can imagine that team thing wants to start together, finish together. Would you agree? Yeah. Cool. So let's make sure that you finish together because the last thing that I'd want for you mm. is to not finish with the team. Yeah. Like that would be the softer approach. Okay. Yeah. Exposing the wound. But my aggressive would be like, how are you going to feel <laughs> if you don't finish this? But that, that's the example. So the whole thing right now is making your prospect understand if you don't hire me to be your personal trainer, what does life look like for you on the 18th of August, the day after that tough mudder? Are you going to be disappointed, upset, regret? So for a low payment, <laughs> uh, <laughs> How low are we, talking? We can, I can put you on a plan. Um, 
That's what the whole thing yeah. is around impact, okay? We're trying to expose the wound so the customer understands. They already know why they want to buy your service. Let's make find that problem, make it as big as possible because if they understand that, they'll buy from you quicker. That makes sense? Like it. Cool. And then the last one is new reality, okay? So mm. we've got rapport, aspire, impact, and new reality. So this is the sort of narrative of how we're going to walk people through the process. Build some relationship with them. Understand why they're there in the first place. Make that pain point as big as possible, but then show them the solution of how, when they hire your products or service, what life looks like on the other side. So let's carry on this example. We're going through it. We've exposed the mm -hmm. pain as big as possible. Um, and you're doing the Tough Mudder. Just out of curiosity, like, why did you want to do the Tough Mudder? Uh, because my boss dragged me into it. <laughs> Wait, tr trust me, mate. I know we've all got bosses like that. But, hey, you're a big guy, okay? And I can I can tell already. <laughs> That's why I'm in the gym. <laughs> trying I, 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 I can tell already that you're fairly decisive. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be forcing you to do something. So there's something inside you that's mm. motivating you to do it. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. So what is that? Be honest with me. Like, what what is it about the tough mother that's just, like motivating you to actually do it? Not the fact your boss is a dick. Uh, the experience, maybe the challenge a little bit. Cool. So what I want you to do is wake up on the 18th of August, knowing you've given it your best effort. Tuesday, 10 o'clock, I see you in the <laughs> Take my money. <laughs> but you get the point. Okay, yeah. so what we're trying to do is show them that actually, Harry, Tough Mudder is 10 miles. What we want to do over the next 12 weeks is make those 10 miles feel really easy to you because I want you to enjoy it. I want you to complete it. And when you wake up the day after, I want you to know that you've given it your best effort, especially considering that it's a team effort. Now, I understand that hiring a personal trainer is costly, but what we found is that the investment you're making in yourself at that period, hopefully after the Tough Mudder, you'll take things away from it and then you'll overall just have a healthier lifestyle. And you can you can mm. take people down yep. different paths and journeys depending on what their aspirations are. That makes sense. Yeah, um, two things. Okay. First of all, I think, um, and I don't know if you've kind of covered it before, but if if people listening have paid attention, you in the last two examples, you use things like, would you agree? Yeah. So like you get, so you're getting me or, or the potential customer to actually kind of to answer their own sort of questions in their mind. Yeah. I, I, rather I, I than just like, like yeah. nodding my head and listening to you, give me some good reasons. You yep. give a reason and then say, isn't that right? And then you have to think, mm, yeah, I suppose you are right. And like, it's training me to, or the customer to think, Oh yeah, that is a good point. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I should buy your services. So, so we call that um, we call that micro commitments. So it's as you're going through a sales process. Too many people want to talk about it as if it's a script and mm -hmm. just rattle through it, and then go buy, which never works. Um, and if it does, it, they were buying in the first place, yep. irrelevant of what you said. Um, you've actually got more chance of losing the deal when you when you're a, <laughs> when you're a salesperson like that. Wow. Um, so the reason we do for micro commitments is. It all ties in. You do something what's called go for the no, which is if you object with anything, I need to know about it while you're mm. in front of me. You can't leave the store and disagree with me because I can't. I have no control. Um, so it comes back to when I used to when I used to be a salesperson, um, sales professional, uh, and after at the end of every interview, 
end of every interview that I went for and I had four different careers in sales and I landed every job uh, because at the end of the interview, they're hiring for a sales professional so they want to know that I can close. So I used to answer, I used to end everyone with this. I really appreciate the time. When I walk out that door, there's nothing that I can say or do to influence your decision. So is there any reason that you can see right now why I'm not a perfect fit for this job? Because that does two things. I find out there and then and I can tackle it in the room. It also shows them I know how to close business. So the reason that we go for these micro commitments is we want to find, we actually want to find the objections, mm. which sounds counterintuitive, but if you're a sales professional, you know this, I need to know your objections so I can handle them. Objections are great because I'll know I can handle them and we can walk through the sales cycle. And that's what we're going to move on to, which is objection handling. But I'll say a statement and I'll be like, well, wouldn't you agree? And then you might go, yeah, and I get a head nod, and then we're making you agree with me and move forward and make micro-commitments mm. in a yes. Or you might go, ah, not, actually, no, like, I don't really care about that. But that's oh, super interesting. Like, what, what is it about that? Most customers buy for that reason, but, like, mm. educate me, like, tell me. And then you take them down the new path. And then all you're doing is you're completing these cycles back all the time to your sales process. Um, like Jordan Belford from The Wolf of Wall Street calls it the straight line theory, which is he has... He has like a process A to Z of what he wants to take a customer through. And when they deviate, his job is to pull them straight back to the line. Work out why, tackle it, pull them straight back to the line. He has a, a straight line process. He's very aggressive as a salesperson. Um, How did his career go? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's doing all right overall. <laughs> Spent a few he's years, got a book. <laughs> Spent a few years in the nick. Um, but actually on that, uh, he's just launched a, so an online sales training program, which is like $10 a month. I haven't signed, <laughs> I haven't signed up to it, uh, but he's proper milking the, the, the Wolf of Wall Street uh, mm. and he's running some good Facebook ads. Um, I might actually have a go on that and then f- report back just out of curiosity uh, because I'm thinking about packaging what we do up at Expert Trades Live and making it some video content like that. Um, but guys, that's it. So, uh, you, sorry, that was one of your two things. Yeah, the other one I had was... Um, how ready are you for tough muddy <laughs> oh <laughs> not at all <laughs> yeah not at all um so because for anyone for anyone listening we are doing tough mudder in august yeah august the, 17th august yeah they're, the all, 17th. they're all genuine yeah. dates with me yeah. on the show yeah. um which helps when you're doing role playing and i i am actually now training for that getting ready for that so because i did the fight and then i snapped my little finger uh, I've used that as an excuse not to do any cardio, even though it's my little finger. Uh, and then we got uh, some electric scooters. So the running I was doing with the dog, I now, I, I now, uh, I now jump on a pure scooter. A quick plug for those guys. If you want to win one of two pure scooters as well, just go over to Startup Stories and listen to the end for the competition. We're giving two scooters away on the 17th of July, guys. Um, so... Uh, that's everything H uh, on the sales side so uh, guys this is a four step process what you should do is systematically work sorry walk a prospect through this process do not jump Uh, if someone is really hard to build rapport with work at it Uh, mainly because it's like a muscle is uh, even if you find yourself um, an extremely good aggressive closer I would advise that you learn the rapport building process because aggressive closers close deals of people that are, are ready to buy. Rapport builders close deals of people that are really on the fence. Mm. Is there anything other than just literally practicing this face-to-face with a, with a customer? that like how, how can someone train this technique, practice this technique, learn more about it, things like that? So the thing that no one does because it makes them feel awkward and uncomfortable but is easily... Um, by a mile, the best process to do in sales training is role playing. Let's just say you're a you're a personal trainer, okay, and you have no other personal trainer friends. Mm-hmm. 
you have friends. So I would invite oh. them around and I it's would say, as I'm just trying to develop my sales process. Can you do me a favor? Like, can we just role play of like, you, you've called me up and you're interested in buying my services. Can we just, and just do it. So some of the best sales companies in the world, they do 15 to 30 minutes of role play every single morning. Wow. Every morning they come in and because on that day when they've made 150 calls, they'll find new objections and they'll put it on the whiteboard mm. and they'll come in and be like, guys, as a team, there's 20 of us. These are the objections we had yesterday. Use those objections, do 30 minutes role play and come back and tell us how we overcame them so we can all learn. Like role play. Wow. If you're in a company where you've got sales people, make them role play all the time. It just, it's that muscle memory. What, what, and as a, as a practice for rapport building, next time you go and buy a coffee at Starbucks or Costa or whatever your preference is, your job is to try and make the person behind the counter smile. That's a challenge for you. Because what you're going to have to do, because everyone wears roughly the same thing, so you can't pick up easy stuff, try and work out in the two minutes you've got when they're making the coffee, build some rapport and make them smile. Do that every single time. You do that by ordering a uh, double tall skinny pump mocha <laughs> frappa latte. <laughs> and they go, <laughs> like, all right, sir, wait in line. What's the name? All right, got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys have enjoyed uh, our Make It Rain sales training today. Uh, we will be right back with last week, this week. On that note, right after Adam finishes, waving my finger at you. <laughs> On that note, the next thing in the sales training will be objection handling, which is, which is the, the for me the fun stuff. I love I love getting a no, but it's the thing that makes most people scared of sales. Mm. Like getting a no, like people are like oh, I don't want to, I don't want him to say no. Well, well, trust me, most people are going to say no. Uh, we're going to go over how to um, correctly handle objections, uh, and then normally the segment right now is we have listener questions, um, but we don't today because we're out of listener questions. So H, how do people? actually send in questions for the show we're up to date they can email startupdiary at nbs.fm that's startupdiary at nbs.fm or if you're in the facebook group simply post the question and tag myself or harrison in it and if you're search not in the group startup diary club search for startup diary club on facebook and join the group and we'll be right back after this short break and we're back and this is a segment of the show where we talk about last week this week Leading on to what we're into. Harry, last week, where were you? I was in the US of A. Why? Uh, with a client, Monument Tools. Um, shooting some more footage. Plumbing, manuf- plumbing tool manufacturer taking their product to the US. Taking over the world. Taking over the world. <laughs> Japan, Australia Japan last year. soon. Japan, I'm coming to that one. <laughs> okay. Um, it was a little trip report. What was it like? Cool. Um, it was a lot... Uh, warmer than last time because last time it was like literally minus 20 degrees and there was like nine foot of snow everywhere um so this time it was like a balmy 20 degrees 30 degrees um with with spots of torrential downpour and lightning and thunder and then sun again it was obscure what was the food like (laughs) dense okay (laughs) same as always it's just outrageous um tried to take it a little easier this time and i think it did okay and have you got any tips on flying right how did you get through the flights did you end up upgrading so i think i didn't upgrade because i already had a exit seat okay you so already i had could the stretch room. my long legs out um maybe would have got a wider seat but asked on the day about it as well it went back up to 700 and something pounds oh wow so that was ridiculous what do you do on the flight to kill the time 
Nintendo Switch, any other mm-hmm. sort of just play a game or something, just sink like two or three hours into it. Pff, half the flight goes by. I watched, so the flight out, I watched, uh, I binge watched a series on Netflix. It was like 12 episodes, of. sort of 20 minutes a piece. Um, One Punch Man, recommended by uh, the wife's sister, because apparently the guy looks like me. It's, a, it's Japanese anime, but it's really funny. I'll let you watch that, play the game, and then we were landing. <laughs> I was like, damn. Solid trip. So that was so that was a flight out. The flight back was a little bit rougher because it was overnight and I was like exhausted. and Drunk didn't. from the sound of it. <laughs> I wasn't drunk because by the time the flight got here, I'd sobered up again. Um, How long were you at the airport? Seven hours. Okay, yeah, okay. Because the amount of beers you consumed, I can imagine. Okay, fair enough. No, I only had like f- six beers, but they don't do pints over there either, so... Okay. So it's not it's like four beers, really. Oh, I, mean, I swear, officer. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so trip was good. Uh, I think Monument were happy. Um, they went on. Uh, that's why I was in the airport for so long, because they had an internal flight earlier in the day. But it was fine. I got some work done. Um, but yeah, just great to travel. Cool stuff. While, while you were uh, while you were away, I was curled up on the passenger seat of our new business development manager's <laughs> car on the way back from a meeting. So... Uh, the backstory is a couple of the kids were a couple of the kids as if I have more the kids uh, were poorly uh, the previous week and on the way down I'm saying to Alan who's our new business development manager I'm not feeling too great uh, we went into the meeting and which for you is quite something because you don't you don't feel great most of the time exactly so for you to be like mm, I'm not feeling good to be on the scale of like whew. voicing it yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the meeting I don't know how I got through it honestly so we've got a new client pitch with a, a new brand it was a sort of an hour and a half meeting and the second I came out I threw my backpack at Alan and I went I'll see you in the car and I had my head in a toilet um, like instantly after the meeting wow. and then on the way back we have to stop a couple of times uh and I've got the passenger seat on just recline and I'm curled up in the fetal position in cold sweats. So I've got the sickness bug from the kids, um, which was a nightmare with timing because I had a huge presentation to do mm. on that Thursday. Uh, and I booked the Tuesday, this was on a Monday, I booked the Tuesday off to refine the presentation. Uh, and I wasn't getting out of bed, I wasn't looking at a screen. So it wrote me off for like 48 hours straight. Um, and then the knock-on effects of that last for a few days mm. anyway, because you haven't eaten, you haven't slept well. Um, so that was my last week and then it's just all terrible timing so I actually go on annual leave this week um, at the end of this week so I'm just up to my neck in it right now so you're playing catch up just playing catch up and I wanted to be on the front foot so I can Mm. get most of my stuff done because I'm not here next week uh, for that do you think well I suppose you're putting it down to the kids right because they were ill yep yeah okay so I was going to say do you think you've been stressed and kind of this has been brought on because you've been trying to get ahead of it all but if the kids do you know what kids have been ill honestly um probably the last two months workloads increased and i've probably just felt just generally uh, happier and less stressed than normal all right um obviously we, uh, if you listen if you're if you're a long-term listener of the show you'll know that um, i'm going through some coaching right now uh, and that's I'm not saying that's made a huge impact right now, but it's made me just more um, thoughtful is probably the way I can explain it. Um, so just sitting back a little bit more, prioritizing things a little bit better uh, and just, yeah, just more thoughtful is probably the best way to explain it. So I feel like I'm 
extremely energized most of the days. Um, and when I want to take time to think about the business and do some planning, I normally feel guilty about it. Mm. But now I just sort of get myself out of the office and go and do some planning and I'm feeling better for that. That's interesting because I would say what's happening there then is even though it, it doesn't sound like you're doing any less, mm-hmm. it sounds like the stress, emotional stress is or mental stress is reduced, which in turn is resulting in <laughs> until you got violently ill, a more energized, hundred um, percent. So if you take it back body. before the, the the sickness bug, which is just mm-hmm. unavoidable because kids are kids, and they just make everyone in on the house when they get poorly. Hundred um, percent. I feel more efficient mm. uh, when I'm doing the work. I feel more efficient because I know it's the right work to be doing, um, and I'm looking forward to sort of reporting back on how that's all going. Um, so I think last time we spoke about some of the things that I took away from the the first couple of coaching sessions. I'll probably jump on the mics every every month, every one, mm-hmm. I don't know, every four episodes, every three episodes, just to give you an update on it. Um, but the coaching sort of spurs on lots of other work that I have to do. So it it is really a process or a journey um, that we're that we're going on. So I'm looking forward to sharing that on the mics. Um, and I guess just to fast forward for me now this week. So um, today, the point of recording this is Tuesday. Tomorrow afternoon, I fly up to Glasgow um, to do. Actually, it's quite fitting. Expert trades live the the, the sales training that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a one day training in Glasgow on the sales, and then another day doing marketing training. So that's Thursday, Friday, and then I'm on. Uh, I'm really interested in that, interested to know how that goes. Yeah, uh, is it because I, every location we do it in is extremely different of how it's received? Yeah, um, and like just in different areas, obviously people have different perceptions. Like the north of England tends to be a little bit more. Um, Price conscious, maybe the cust- maybe it's the customers and therefore the. Tra- well, I think everyone the, is, yeah. So it just like obviously feeds back to the businesses need to keep their prices competitive. Obviously, don't really know what Scotland is like in general. Um, no, it's gonna be a learning curve. But yeah, um, I imagine they're similar to the north of England. I would say so. so. And it's little things like the things we picked up on is like if we just use boilers as an example, like down south, people are prepared to invest a little bit more up front mm. in a boiler and have like the warranty and have that cover yeah. any additional costs where we found up north, they'd rather have a cheap boiler uh, and and then say when it's broken, I'd rather pay, I'd rather pay £600 and then £100 every year to fix it mm. compared to £1,200 uh, and have it yeah. be reliable. And it's just different dynamics, different locations. So it's a, a good learning curve for us. Um, and we don't have that many users of our product up in Scotland. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what, how we need to communicate it. So it's, it's beneficial because we get to, we get paid to go up there uh, mm-hmm. through a partnership that we have. Uh, and then I can use it as like fact finding and learning. Again, voice of the customer, customer types, yeah. that sales process. I'm always looking at what's happening around and saying, actually, uh, for the Scottish market, we need to do this differently. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's interesting to because you'll get to literally hear it from the people that we try and deal with yep. themselves. Um, which takes us on to age, uh, what we're into, which is where we get to talk about two things, uh, anything that we want to in terms of what is outside of work predominantly uh, that is top of mind for us right now. So, Harry, what is your what we're into this week. Oh, sorry, I'm stretching. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment. Do you mean reading, reading, or is um, it like an e-book? Actually read, what? Sorry, is it <laughs> is it a physical, yeah, you went audio or, or yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Is it a physical book or is it an electronic it book? Is is it an on a electronic Kindle book. Okay. Um, yeah, you confused me then with that statement. Yeah. Like you read, you read digital words as well. <laughs> I swear I'm making a mistake. Um, yeah, I went, I went with a, uh, 
purely because I wanted to read something and I wanted it now. So like the convenience factor of just hitting download and then it literally was just there yep. on um, on the iPad, uh, which was nice. Uh, the book is called The World's Fittest Book. Said about? By a guy called Ross Edgley. Um, I'm only a few chapters in, but the, the guy um, is kind of popped up on my radar a few times. Recently been sponsored by Gymshark, actually. Uh, funny. Um, but yeah, he's just... I think so. He, ch- I think his premise is he challenges what um, like training regimes and what how fit someone can actually be and yep. things like that. So he just pushes the limits of of kind of what the body can do or or what people assume you can do and and things like that. Um, an example is he did a triathlon with a forty five kilo tree on his back the whole way, and it was like. <laughs> And like some of the questions he was asking was, how do you train for an event like that? Can you train for an event like that? And things like that. So it's still early in it. Um, still telling a lot of stories in the book as opposed yep. to like, um, and he kind of says it's up front. It's not going to have regimes, routines, diet plans, or anything like that. But it's more just about concepts to think about. His whole thing is like you build a strong foundation of general fitness and then you can specialize on top of that. Okay. It's like you can't fire a cannon from a canoe and you can't build a castle on sand. So have a foundation. I like that one actually. I've never heard the cannon from a canoe one. Yeah. And yeah, it's just in in general, it's about you need a, if you want to be able to excel in anything, you need to have a foundation in everything and then you can specialize from there. Um, So still early days on that one, just, but I was just, um, Going back to Tough Mudder, what we were talking about, I wanted to just kind of prep for that. And because I've kept seeing this guy and he obviously knows his stuff. Um, so I thought I'll just buy his book. It was like seven quid. Cool. Could have got it on paperback, but, and I could have got it, I assume I could have got it on an audio book, but I feel that when I'm physically holding and reading something, mm-hmm. it be, it's a very active process. Whereas when I'm listening, you can do something else. You can be doing something else yeah. or you can stare out the window but then I find that I, well because I'm not physically reading it I can get easily sort of distracted and all of a sudden I'm thinking wait a minute what was that what was what was he just talking about yeah. and then you know, like scrub back 30 seconds to a minute and listen to it again it's, it's like, already okay. bitty it's you just like and I, cause I did that with um, what was that book where they talk about framing frames it was like a sales book I think it was Olin Clough Mm-hmm. pitch anything yeah and now that, that was like a super interesting listen great if especially for people to, on the show who I listen had to, to sales training rub back so many times because go and listen to that I think yeah. it's a really good actually book if someone's interesting in sales yeah yeah, yeah that is like the concept of the crop brain and yeah. primitive thoughts and stuff like that it was cool um, but yeah so I'm reading that at the moment uh, we'll update once I know more but the I, the basically the, the premise of it is which is kind of obvious when you think about it but is if you want to get good at something you need to train specifically for it have a foundation but then train specifically for those sort of tasks so yep. like with Tough Mudder my early assumption is if we're going to be running for sort of 10 miles but then doing obstacles in between I need to sort of simulate yeah. that kind of thing so ra- like cardio than, work and then some hit training in between or something yeah so rather than rather than spending t- an hour on the treadmill in one session and then coming back the next day and doing some weights or something maybe i need to be mixing some intervals with some heavy heavy weight and, yeah. and things like that so oh, cool. yeah so i'm just kind of applying that 
Um, plus, I'm slowly going to be coming out of my diet soon, mm-hmm. so I want to bring activity back up because I've been sort of lazy. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Cool. Uh, for me, mine's a super short one. Uh, so this time of the year, um, so uh, I don't know, probably eight years ago, I used to really enjoy playing poker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this time every year, there's the World Series of Poker that takes place. Uh, so I uh, I enjoy signing up to Doyle us. Brunson. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a guy. <laughs> uh. So I uh, kind of got reinvigorated with it with a chap called Daniel Negreanu, who was someone that I've historically played poker with online, um, uh, who's uh, sort of one of the old school in terms of the old guard, been around the block, uh, and he's now created a vlog. Is he the, the smaller guy? Yeah, Kid Poker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and he's grown up Kid a little bit poker. now. That's, that was his name. So... Um, and he's created a vlog. He's on YouTube now, so he's vlogging every day. So there's stuff that I've never really got a chance to see. Because mm. one of the things I've always wanted to do is play in the World Series of Poker, just because it's a, like a fanboy thing. Um, and it's the World Series it, of Poker. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's a big it'd be, thing. It'll be great. It'll be really good fun. It's, I, I imagine mm. it's got a big... Vegas, baby. Exactly. I imagine it's got... A Get those Avios, Avios points. points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wife doesn't know, but that's what we're going to use the one. Uh, first class to Vegas. Um, so What's he, she going to do while we're away? He's going to look after the kids. Um, so... He's doing a vlog now, a daily vlog, which is cool. So he like, and the, his process is actually interesting. He films all day and he's got a guy he sends all his content to. And mm, he, from 12 o'clock at night to five in the morning, he edits and then it's live the next day. So he's paying someone to do that, mm. um, to build his personal brand. But it's letting me see the inside of what's taking place in the World Series. So I'm really enjoying watching that, to be honest. It's like a bit of a uh, an outlet just to kill 15 minutes a day and just... Um, I don't know, just get an insight to the World Series. Out, uh, so out of curiosity, what does he do on a daily basis? Uh, so, like, pr- is he is he getting up breakfast, online poker, a real cash game in the evening? That's all dinner, tournaments. Bed, so the, the World Series is like back to back tournaments, so like two three tournaments a day. So like he'll he'll kind of wake up at midday. There's a one o'clock start. If he busts that tournament, he'll go to the six o'clock start tournament. If he makes day two, then it's following his journey day Jeez. two, day three. There's like fifty events across the the whole World Series um, um, of, and, of different games and different skills. And the money is making, if, if they win, they win like, what, a million dollars at yeah, time? Different, there's different buy-ins, everything from like a $1,000 buy-in to a $50,000 buy-in tournament. Um, so the thing Because if he's doing it professionally, where, where my head was at with that is like, what's he earning on a regular basis to be able to do three tournaments a day? <laughs> yeah, so the thing that I actually enjoy about it from the vlog is he's... Um, He's documenting every buy-in and his return on investment. So you can imagine for me, oh, which I okay. quite enjoy. Um, so he's got low, lower mid-stakes <laughs> and high-stakes brackets. Go, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just, a, a, the thing is, uh, for anyone listening, if they play poker, they'll know. But tournament poker has such high variance in mm. terms of if you play a cash game, which is like you're spying for a thousand quid and you can leave when you want to. Like that's Daniel's day-to-day job is a cash game player. Um, the tournaments take place probably once a year in this sort of format. Uh, which is where you can win real big, but mm. it's really hard because the field sizes can be like one of the, one of the field sizes was twenty eight thousand people. Wow, five hundred dollar buy-in tournament, twenty eight thousand people. Uh, but anyway, I get to I get to see that, and I think one thing it's done for me is I've I've looked at the calendar and I found out that they've launched something called the World Series of Poker Europe, mm. um, which is uh, in Prague uh, at, at the King's Casino. So I'm, I'm looking at because uh, we were thinking about going on a. Uh, a sort of a, a short weekend somewhere and if I can if I can play poker and then end it with that 
for four days and then if things go well there'll be a big kitty of cash for us to just enjoy that'd uh, be cool yeah so that's that's what i'm looking at right now so i'd love to play a world series of poker event some of the people that um that i i, I follow travel across so I, i'll probably get to sit in some of those games uh, so i'm just trying to put one or two of those events in the calendar for for september time that's cool which is cool um and guys that wraps us up that is the show uh this has been a bit longer than normal. Hopefully you've enjoyed the sales training. If this is something that you do enjoy, please keep giving us the feedback. Um, it's, as you guys can tell, it's something that I, I'm a salesperson. I, mm-hmm. I, I love it. Um, so any questions about the sales training, let us know because we're out listening to questions, which means you'll guaranteed be on an upcoming episode. Um, if you have any general feedback, reach out. Harry, anything from you? Uh, yeah, they can email startupdiary at nbs.fm or better yet, join the Facebook group. Search Startup Diary Club on Facebook. Uh, there's a bunch of great members in there. They're all connecting. They're all helping each other out. I'm in there sometimes. Okay, so in there more frequently. There's like 200 people in there now and it's an amazing community of people mm-hmm. that are helping each other out, guys. So if you are... Uh, if you have your own business or are thinking about it and have what we air quote entrepreneurial tendencies and want to learn more about the startup thing jump in the group there'll be people in there to help you out and if you got to the end of the show and this is the first time you've been here do not forget to hit that subscribe button we drop one episode every week and we'll speak to you next time Hey guys, and welcome to episode 323 of The Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I am with my co-host, Adam Callow. Can I ask why you were smiling as you introed that show? That I, show, this show. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was hearing myself, and I feel, or sound, should I say, very tired. So, I'm very self-aware of my energy levels. To be honest, I think we should have had a coffee together this morning. We did. I've up. noticed we are lacking the beverage. Beverages. Let's go put a cup. <laughs> what? There's like a minute in, and so yeah, it was a painful journey. Okay, <clears throat> let's try this again. Maybe just the uh, placebo effect of knowing there's coffee ready will impact. I us. think it will. I think it will, mate. To be honest.